1989, two missing hikers were rescued from a mountain in Japan and were told the enormous SOS sign that they had built helped locate them. The hikers were confused, revealing they made no such SOS sign, leaving investigators to realize that there was someone else on the mountain. Today, we follow the confusing tale of the SOS sign incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the podcast all about unsolved mysteries, cases, true crime, cryptids, conspiracies, a little sprinkling of aliens. They always make their way in there. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and joining me hearing this case for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. A very interesting case. Yet again, I go, wow, there's just a lot of unique mysteries out there. Mm -hmm. Never thought about, okay, hikers, SOS sign, they're found they didn't make the sign. Oh, yeah. Instantly, my mind, my emotions go, that's eerie. That's creepy. Then very quickly dives into the creepy section and goes, oh, no. That means because like that's probably someone watching you, right? You think someone just said, I feel I'll like that someone's you. watching you. Yeah. You tracking you and Sasquatch being close by. That'd be wild. No, he's very and then wild. Back up into the trees. I still can't. I'll never Ugh. let that go. Scurry back up into the trees. I hate that visual. But like, I don't know. To me, it just seems like someone's just like watching you and then it's like, well, you need help and then makes a sign or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm already lost. I don't need someone stalking me while I'm lost in the woods. Seeing what I'm doing, when I'm pooping, <laughs> when I'm rubbing my nips. I don't need any of that to be like seen by even someone that is... These are, these are the things he does when he's lost. <laughs> these are the things I do when I'm lost, man. You yeah. know, you got to really take full advantage of the fact that you're just out there. Fresh air. Fresh air. Wilderness. It's interesting the take you have because, I mean, and that's the kind of meandering path that I've walked you down with the a long storied history of this podcast and conspiracies. But, but the story is very strange. It definitely gets even stranger the more we talk about it. But yeah, just to me, I was gripped by the tale of... Hikers, and I've heard about this first many years ago, but hikers being found and they're like, hey, that giant SOS sign you made, clutch move. And they're like, what? We don't, what are you talking about? And that's it. Yeah, I like and that. Compelling. Like, I'm interested to see what the SOS sign was made out of, how big it was, yeah. uh, how big was it, where was it in uh, correlation to like their campsite. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, questions. I oh, yeah. Questions. We got instant answers for you. Only so that way we can unfurl just a boatload of questions on the other side yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Task Force, before we dive in again, as always, I want to give a huge shout out to our first members, Task Force members that support us by being a first member. It's essentially our Patreon. It's the number one way to support us. If you go to redwebpod.com slash first, you can sign up and you get this show ad free. That's right, baby. Because you support us, we keep this journey going seamlessly. But we also have bonus episodes of other shows such as Case Files. And we have another show that we're in the works on. I don't want to spill those beans just yet, like I said last week. But other yeah. things that we're working on to kind of provide you extra material to thank you for supporting us. And you know what? We might throw out some bloopers here soon. A lot of gaffes happen before the opening hook. A lot of things that we cut. There's the the wildest things that get said. So, hey, if you want to podcast start, I'm thinking we might release some of those to the wild, but just to you first members. It truly is the like life force, the blood that keeps this running 
and um, we're very, very thankful. Also, sometimes we use that same uh, bloodstream to keep ourselves young. So thank you for that. It goes both ways. It goes you both know, ways. This, is it this podcast a vampire? Definitely, maybe not. But also probably definitely, not. probably yes. But maybe we do shine in the sun. So thank you for letting us in. We sparkle in the sun. <laughs> uh, redwedpod.com slash first. Again, thank you all so much. And with that said, let's dive into the initial disappearance. On July 24th, 1989, two hikers from Tokyo were reported missing while climbing the path from Mount Kurodake to Asahidake in Daisetsuzan National Park. Asahidake is the highest peak in Hokkaido, the northernmost island of Japan, and it sits at 2,291 illustrious meters or 7,500 feet. There we go. Yeah, I got you, baby. There we go. We're talking meters this time because we're in Japan, but I'll yep. bring those feet around for yeah, you, those stinky go. little feet. <laughs> So the two hikers went off the path and turned south toward the Chubetsugawa River. While rescuers were searching for them in a helicopter, they spotted a enormous, my own words, SOS sign in a clearing about four kilometers from the summit of Asahidake, or two and a half miles. The sign was made of 19 five meter long birch tree limbs, or 16 feet long. The letters themselves were five meters wide by three meters tall. Or if you want to picture it this way, Fredo, let's just like lay out a bunch of king's feet. Yeah. It'd be 16 feet wide, 10 feet tall. Oh, okay. Made with birch limbs. But the image that I have, and you can go I mean, and check it out here. That sounds manageable. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe. I. They look like logs, not like limbs. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's a big old SOS sign. Yeah. So they got lost because they went off of the path? Right. Okay, so they're going from one peak to another. Yeah. Common path, little straight shot. For whatever reason, they decided to go south, which is kind of off into the wilderness, not really the appropriate way to go. Why you do that? Yeah, and then they got lost. And by the time that they were found, or at least where this SOS sign is, it's almost directly south by a good ways from Asahidake, which okay. is that main peak there. So notably... They were essentially in the middle of nowhere. No trails nearby. So they, they were out there wandering. Yeah, it's a sizable SOS sign. It looks very clear. It's like a big, huge clearing. So it's not like obscured by right. anything. So that's nice too. Yeah. So just to give you kind of a lay of the land, and of course, Task Force, as always, will provide a map online at Red Web Pod on our social if you want to check that out. I don't recall exactly how far these two peaks are from each other, Asahidake and Mount Kurodake, if you don't mind looking that up, uh, Christian. But either way, several kilometers south of Asahidake is this SOS sign. Now, this sign allowed rescuers to locate the two missing people, and they themselves were about two to three kilometers north of the sign. So they were somewhere between their intended destination, that peak, and the sign itself. One to two miles. Looking at the hiking path, they're about 13 kilometers apart, which translates to just a little over eight miles. But regardless of where they were, when they were rescued and they were told about the SOS sign, of course, the two hikers were confused and said that they did not make any such sign. It appeared that there must be another missing person somewhere on Asahidake, so Hokkaido police began looking for whoever created the sign that very next day on July 25th. Upon investigation, police discovered broken human bones surrounding the SOS sign. They appeared to have been gnawed on by animals. Whoa, I was about to say, like, I didn't even think about someone else making a sign for themselves. Mm -hmm. But also, in my head, well, if you made the sign, you're probably close by. 
Mm-hmm. Bones being gnawed on. I mean, like, right. This is '89. We have a little bit of technology there. Like, how long were the bones there for? Great question. What's the decay rate look like? Can we calculate like a the time span, the time frame of like death here? Mm-hmm. These are all great questions, and we're gonna explore some of them to the best of their ability at the investigation at the time. Some things were overlooked, I'll go ahead and say it. I don't think DNA tests were done at this time. And some of the tests that they can do on bones are a little inexact, but we'll get to all of that, but fantastic questions. So according to a Japanese blog, these bones constituted the pelvis, the femur, and the humerus. So a wide smattering here of human bones, but not all of them, it seems. Now, it's unclear whether these bones were broken before or after death because in addition to being gnawed on, some of them were obviously broken. So police continued to search the area when they came upon a strange hole beneath the roots of a tree about 50 meters or 165 feet from the SOS sign. Sources often describe this hole as just large enough for a person to be able to crawl into. Inside the hole, there was a backpack containing toiletries, two cameras, a tripod, a notebook, basketball shorts, a tape recorder slash Walkman, some cassette tapes, and jewelry. Now, this jewelry, by some sources, is referred to as an amulet, so it's possible that these were some good luck charms. For example, the blog I mentioned earlier claims that this was a Sano Shrine traffic safety protection charm, which is essentially something that, in modern times, you would put into your car to offer you protection. Interesting. I believe against just, like, car wrecks or against bad traffic. Christian, do you... Know much more about that one? It looks like they're meant to protect you really when traveling with any means of transportation, car, train, airplane, etc. Ooh. Oh. That's okay. good to know because something that will come up later. I'll just go ahead and throw out the T's, throw out the line right now. Helicopter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in addition to that bag with all those goodies inside it, there was also a human skull. Oh, geez. And conveniently, an ID belonging to a man named Kenji Iwamura. So now the investigation begins. We have two hikers that were found, an SOS sign that is shockingly owned up by no one. It just seems like out of place and out of time. But then when looking closer, we have an individual here. So let's look at them. Iwamura was an office worker from Konan Aichi, who had also visited the area to go hiking. Now, Konan is 1,600 kilometers or 1,000 miles south by way of car of that mountain, way down the island of Japan. Pretty far, yeah. Yeah, and it turns out that Iwamura didn't show up for work for about a week after he planned to. So his parents reported him missing on July 10th, 1984. That would have been almost exactly five years prior to the SOS sign being discovered. Wow. Like five years and two weeks exactly. So you're saying this sign is potentially five years old? Yeah, potentially. This this case is gone a totally different direction than where I thought it would go. We've got, I didn't even think about another person making this sign mm-hmm. and they, they having, it, having it be their situation. If I was in their situation, look, excited that someone else was found because of my sign. Loki kind of mad it wasn't me. <laughs> it worked. Just but not for it, you. Yeah, just not for you. But uh. also years prior, oh man, how is it not found for five years? Right. In a giant open clearing on this relatively well-known mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So he was 22 years old when he went missing. And at the time, police had no leads, so they had to give up the search. Returning to 1989, the story going on, on July 27th, police listened to the cassette tapes that they found in the tree hole, as I'm calling it. They were recordings from multiple anime theme songs, including Magical Princess, Minky Momo, and Macross. Friends of Iwamura had known him to carry recordings of various anime themes on him, so this makes a lot of sense. Eerily enough, though, there was also a recording of a man screaming for help for 2 minutes and 17 seconds. Jesus, that is morbid. Yeah. I mean, wildlife probably got to him, I would say. Wolves or something, you know. Potentially. Found him in his little den. And then just, oh, I guess he just turned it on to just give some kind of evidence as to his final moments. Yeah, we're not going to discuss it too much in here, but when I was looking around some of these Japanese blogs, and there could be translation errors, of course, a lot of people were talking about the recording and the potential that it was inadvertent, that while carrying the cassette player, the recorder on him, that he accidentally turned it on and or off while in various positions underneath the tree. So I don't know if this was a deliberate recording, I just want to put that on the record, or if it was accidental. But either way, it is definitely a disturbing recording of a man clearly lost in the woods, desperately seeking help, however his life may have ended after this. So he says, quote, SOS, help me. I can't move on the cliff. SOS, help me. The place is where I first met the helicopter. The sasa is deep and you can't go up. Lift me up from here. So the voice pauses between and enunciates each and every syllable. So when obviously when you're yelling, sometimes it doesn't carry the proper meaning, the enunciation. And sasa is broad-leafed bamboo. So basically what we're hearing is a person calling out for help, saying that they can't really move because they're near a cliff, so they can't go up, but they can't go down, and the bamboo's too thick to be able to move through. And so they found at the point of this recording kind of maybe a clearing where they're like, this is a safe spot for a helicopter to get me, and it's where I last saw a helicopter. Or they said, I first met the helicopter. Again, I don't know if there's a translation error there, but essentially maybe a helicopter brought them there. the helicopter. Yeah, or maybe they just saw a helicopter going by. Yeah. Hence the, you know, and this is also not exactly where the SOS sign was placed. And we'll talk more about that later, but we'll, we'll, just, we'll just say it now. There's no cliffside near the SOS sign. Oh, interesting. So this indicates that this person did eventually move. They recorded this and then found a different spot to set up the SOS sign in a clearing. Now, most of the items in the bag appeared to belong to Iwamura. To substantiate this, the, the basketball shorts, for example, were of his size. I'm sure he's not a unique size, but either way, it would make sense that they were his. However, and this is where the case gets even more twisted. What felt like a very simple case just keeps kind of going down the rabbit hole. So when bones from the hole were sent to Asahikawa Medical University to be examined, police assumed that they belonged to Iwamura. Makes a lot of sense. Makes sense. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. But the tests revealed that the bones, including the skull from the hole, belonged to a woman between the ages of 20 and 40 with type O blood. Further testing showed that there might be bones from different people in the hole. And according to Asahi Morning Edition from July 30th, the report also showed that the woman would have been about 160 centimeters tall, or five foot three, and died within the last one to three years. So, okay. not long enough to go all the way back to okay. Iwamura. Oh, whoa. 
I mean, who's to say he didn't go run off and then a couple years later decided to go on this hike? Wait, he came in, built the SOS, went home, came back, well, got lost? No, 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 no. Like, was the SOS built five years ago? Or we're just saying that it could have been five years ago because we're going off of the assumption that he went missing right. and immediately went to this location. Right. But it could have been he went missing or ran away and then a couple years later found himself in this situation. Could be. Being lost in the forest. Could be. Oh, man, I didn't expect the bones not to be his. I'll be honest. You got uh, another player this, involved, yeah. This is a whole other thing. I mean, I'm thinking now a group got lost. Bad situation. Entirely possible. You know, and then from there, it's like self-preservation type stuff. I wonder, and this is definitely a leap, Christian. I don't know if you'll be able to find this. But knowing where we're going in the outline, is it possible to find out how tall Kenji Iwamura was? Because there's discrepancies with the bone test, right? And... You know, you can look at the bones and relatively size up the height of somebody. If you have the femur, for example, yeah. proportionally, you can kind of come up with their height. And I'm very curious, you know, we have somebody saying, well, these bones look like the person died one to three years. Iwamura was five years ago. We also have somebody who's 5'3", potentially. And if he's wildly taller than that or shorter than that, then we know another player is involved. And I say all that because while he looks that up, when the university re-examined the bones, they found that they were from a male with type A blood. Oh no, now there's inconsistencies with the bones. Right, so it opens up a lot of different uh, vectors. Yeah. Were the tests inconclusive, were the tests flawed? We'll talk about that later. Or, as you were kind of getting at, was it a group? Are there various bones from multiple people in this one spot? Also incredibly possible. Wow, this, it was like two hikers were lost and then found. Anyways, that's not the main point. We got this whole other thing I going know. on. Holy! Just the fact that the SOS sign is like, it's like fate that this, uh, we found you only because this thing was here. And they're like, yeah, we had nothing to do with that. And you're like, okay, well, let's go poke around that SOS sign. See what, oh my God, there's so much here. Yeah. That's wild. It's like, forget y'all's story. <laughs> like we just stumbled upon something wilder. Yeah. Well, this is where the police ended their investigation. They believed that with the recent re-examining of the bones being type A blood, being male, that they think that they have Kenji Iwamura, and that's where the official yeah. investigation ends, really. But, Boom, case closed. Yeah. So, again, it's a tall order to ask, Christian, but at the time, I'm thinking at the time, if you know Iwamura's height and you know his blood type, which his parents would hopefully know, then we can start to cross-examine here, but looking back, as Christian's kind of discovering... Resources begun to thin out, yeah. trying to find the commonality, the, the the through thread that is the true path through the story. It can be difficult, but man, those are the questions I would be asking at the time. Wow, that's um, that was a good one. There's a lot of good mysteries out there. What a what a turn. Yeah, there's a couple other things I want to mention before we get to the theories. But how are we looking, Christian? It's okay if you don't come up with any. I was just very curious if it's out there. If sure. we can solve the mystery too, that'd be great. Right, right, right. <laughs> just go ahead and just tippy tap on Google a little bit. That should, that should <laughs> do it, I think. No, it's a very good question. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, it looks like both Kenji's height and blood type are unavailable information, yeah. at least from what I can say. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. But it's always worth putting the burden on you. <laughs> See what you find. So... Like I said, police ended their investigation. They believe that Iwamura followed a path trying to find a landmark called the Safe Rock, which is used to mark the safe way down the mountain. So if you get off the beaten path, this is a known landmark. You can even go oh. to that spot on Google Maps, type it in, 
especially if you type in the Japanese name, it becomes a lot easier, and you can see it. I have photos of them for you. However, there is another landmark, and I hate that I was venting and ranting and raving with Jillian on this fact, but there's another landmark that looks very similar to the safe rock, and guess what it's called? The fake safe rock. Why? Because confusion is awesome. So it does not lead to a safe way down. So this theory was pointed out by Asahikawa Mountaineering Association Chairman Kiyoshi Hayami. Iwamura and the two hikers must have both been following a very similar path, trying to get to the safe rock, but instead found the fake safe rock and managed to maintain themselves in unsafe terrain. And so you're looking at them now. Jillian had to mark them because... In the mist, you can see, there's a photo of them in the mist, nigh identical. So there's like, a, yeah, so it's like a rock, and they're both behind this just diagonal slant on, you know, that is the ground. Mm-hmm. Misty on both sides. This is a, this is a test. It's a test. No, I'm not going to fail, because this is the same image, just from one from the other side and one from the other <laughs> side. That's what it looks Corporate. like. It looks like the exact same image, and you point, guys just man. went, I took it from the front, then yeah. I took it from the back. And why does, why does the fake one include the what? words safe rock? What? Like, just, just call it not the good rock. What? Just bad rock. Just call it back. You know what? I told Jillian this. I'm going to go out there and blow it up. <laughs> Why is it there? It shouldn't be there. It they should demo exist. that thing. Yeah. It's too similar. So apparently man. people have tied a rope around it to demark it. And I'm like, you're not going to see that from a mile away. No, you're not. But, but yeah. I mean, like you could start with just going up to it then, I guess. Yeah. But then again, it's just like, all right, this one has a rope. This one doesn't have a rope. Knowing me and the way I overthink stuff, it's like, well, is this one the bad rock because it's got yellow rope so cautious right you know what i mean like i'm right. gonna overthink the hell out of that man it's, it's like michael scott trying to put on the board don't bother i forget his name but it was like don't bother blake or whatever the name was yeah. and then he circles it put across through <laughs> yeah, it, and, he, he and then he's like well it makes it sound like you said don't don't bother blake. Yeah. <laughs> like all right and he erases don't out of it writes don't on the outside circles it again crosses it out and they go okay so don't 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 bother Blake, right? Yeah. Don't not do bother Blake. And he goes, I can't make it any clearer. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what's happening that's with this exactly rock. That's exactly what's happening. God, the is good. I feel like I need to give this to you as a test, but when you look at them in the clear daylight, they're slightly different. Right, but even then... But they're so similar if you... Even then, though, you go, okay, kind of like a rectangular-shaped yeah. rock sticking out of a diagonal-like slant in the uh -huh. ground. That's what they both are. Overlooking I'm not, a grand view. Right. If you if you showed me both of those and you go, well, one's safe, one's not safe, and then tell me to go off, I'm not going to remember. Right. It looks so similar. Yeah. And also, and I pointed this out too, but in this image, you can see it much more clearly. The safe rock demarks naturally the safe way down the mountain. The unsafe rock naturally demarks a terrible way to go down the mountain. But what makes it more confusing is that by the unsafe rock is a man-made sign with an arrow and some kanji that, I mean... I think it might say danger, but it points. And I'm like, just a sign pointing indicates you're telling me where a path is. I, what rock would tell me where a path is? The safe one. I looked at both these images. Uh -huh. I didn't read which one was safe, which one was unsafe. Uh -huh. I assumed the one with the sign next to it, the right. man-made sign, was with the safe one. Yeah. And no. then, boom. Wow. Just to make it even more confusing. Hey, yeah. you know the one with the man-made sign? That's not the safe one. Right. Come on, bro. Like I, I said, thought even then I can go, all right, well, at least one has a sign on oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go out there. I'm, I'm obviously. No, it's not. I I'm, failed the test. I'm rolling it down the mountain. I'm now lost. Yeah. That is very confusing. So that is essentially the story of the SOS sign. And 
it only got more turbulent the, the closer you looked at it. And we don't have everything answered. That's why it's an unsolved case. Now, there's not necessarily theories as to what went on, as opposed to questions to answer. So in our theories section today, we're going to kind of ask three different questions and attempt to answer those. Mm. And that will attempt to close the gaps on this case. Oh, yes, no, and burnt cheese are my answers. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. Whether you're trying to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three simultaneously. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes, baby, at a price that you're going to love, and it's all delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients, and everything arrives pre-proportioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. And you can look forward to HelloFresh's wholesome health-forward options like... Over 30 calorie smart and protein smart recipes each and every week. I really enjoy HelloFresh because not only does it help me get comfortable in the kitchen by giving me all these recipes, it has me eating good. I've got protein packed meals that all taste delicious every single time and it's broadened my taste horizons. I used to think I was a picky eater, but they give me all this fresh food. I cook it on up. I got dinner with the fiance. Then I've got some leftovers the next day, and it's all good every single time. I've never been let down by HelloFresh. And if you're interested, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree and use promo code RedWebFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That is wild. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree and use that code RedWebFree. Get that breakfast on, most important meal of the day, and let them know we sent you. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses brand that has over 250,000 five-star reviews, and they are on a mission to match affordability with durability, making top quality shades accessible to everyone. They have tons of styles and colors to pick from, so finding the perfect polarized shades is a breeze. If you game or stare at screens all day like I do, they also have blue light glasses to level up your gaming style and reduce all that eye strain. If you find that you look away to the horizon, Christian, you know, you've been gaming for hours on end and you look to the horizon, it's a little blurry. Maybe you could use some of that eye strain reduction. Yeah, oh, I could use it. It's really going to help that. we keep telling Christian to stop staring directly at the sun. I say so. stop staring at it. It's not yeah. going anywhere. It's right. so shiny. He thinks it's going to run away. Yeah, he really wants right. to look at it. Well, shady rays won't help if you stare at the sun. Just don't do that. But personally, I really enjoy my Shady Rays because, again, they have so many different styles. So no matter how I want to cruise out of the house and go on my walk in the bright, sunny atmosphere, Christian's still staring at the sun. <laughs> I get to look good on my walk. I love all the different styles they have, and they have something that fits every single outfit. If you don't love your shades, exchange them or return them for free within 30 days. There's literally no risk when you shop. Exclusively for Task Force members, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Head to ShadyRays.com and use code REDWEB and you're going to get 35% off polarized sunglasses and snow goggles. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Again, that's promo code REDWEB for 35% off. This episode of REDWEB is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code REDWEB. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code REDWEB. 
The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problems gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So did the bones belong to Iwamura? So due to the location of the skull and the items in the backpack which most likely belonged to Iwamura himself, it can be assumed that the skull also belonged to him. However, the bone test results were conflicting. Examining bones for gender can be inconclusive since, according to the Natural History Museum of London, bones often do not fit a strict gender binary. They are rated on a five-point scale, with one ending in probably female, the other ending in probably male, and then three that are undetermined. Oh, well, that's, yeah, not good odds. Right. Like I said before, there was also no DNA testing on the items in the backpack, as far as we could find, anyway. Some believe that the woman went in with Iwamura to the mountains, but there's no leads for who that would have been if Iwamura did go hiking with a person that they knew or a stranger or what have you. And if there was a person with him, there's no leads as to who that person was, what her identity is. And there's no record of a woman going missing in Asahidake around that time. Though that doesn't make it impossible. Uh, right, there's it been could have been missing elsewhere. Like, missing elsewhere, unreported, happens I mean, all the he time. was what, a thousand miles away? Yes. By way of car, but yeah, he was quite a long way from home. Yeah. And plenty of people, as we've discovered on the show, can go missing without being reported. So it's not completely out of the woods, but it is something to bring up. I even like kind of spitballed with Jillian a little like, I don't know, a bittersweet idea. Like, what if this was Iwamura hiking in the woods, hiking on these these mountains with someone that he loved? And then they built this sign because they were lost. And you know how that story ends, but then you flash forward five years and you have other hikers, perhaps not dating or whatever, but then they are saved by the acts of these others. And oh. I feel like that's such a, I don't know. It's a little poetic. A little poetic. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Again, I'm, I'm kind of contriving a story, For connecting sure. some dots, but it is worth saying. And when I was talking to Jillian, she mentioned this, like at the time, that's kind of how the Japanese news was reporting it, that they were known associates of some kind, that they were hiking together, not that they were different people out of time, right? Like Iwamura five years ago, this woman one to three years ago, and then this group. Because then suddenly oh. it's like, there's a lot of groups orbiting this kind of SOS sign. Anyway, when police played the recording of the man calling for help, Iwamura's parents couldn't definitively say whether or not that that was the voice of their son. It's possible that the skull belonged to Someone else, yet another person, potentially a group of people, as you had mentioned, which would make a third person, I guess. Oh, man. Again, most likely this was Iwamura's, but this won't be the only time that we conclude that perhaps there's yet another person in right, play. Right, yeah. So the next question to ask is, did Iwamura build the SOS sign? It's possible that he built the sign since his stuff was found so closely by. Topographical data from the Japan Forest Agency and Japan geographical authority showed that the sign had been there since at least September 20th, 1987. 
Just like Google Maps, however those images are sourced, some sort of necromancy probably, yep. <laughs> uh, we have satellite imagery all over the world and these exist for this area and you can see the SOS sign. Now, Iwamura went missing three years before that, so it's still in the cards that he was the one that made it. The sign was not seen in aerial photos going back to 1982. The issue here is that we can't necessarily dial it into Iwamura's absence because these photos are taken every five years yeah. and there is a gap of two years before him. So you don't see it in 82, you see it in 87. He went missing in 84, you know. Right. It's, it's yeah, only a good probability. Every, I mean, five-year gaps. I mean, this the whole missing situation was five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, oh, man, that's a huge gap. That being said, I feel like I need to figure out when a satellite's outside my house. So then every five years, I can step outside and point an invisible gat at the sun. <laughs> so you can see every five years. It's like, this man keeps stepping outside and pointing at You got to find the same spot, too. Yeah. This man's not moved. He's moved <laughs> for 15 years. Then you got to make sure that when Google Maps drives by and they, you know, they yeah, scan the roads. scan the roads. And I'm there, too. That you're there. Man. Still pointing at the sun. Yep, the long con. Wearing <laughs> the same clothes every time. Every time, man. Weird. I wonder if somebody's done that or done something like I've seen. be. I've seen some people plan around it. Like they get a whole like yard situation, you know, like cookout going on, and then they cheer it going by. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's ruined now because everyone's faces get blurred. Makes sense. But anyway, back to the case. So assuming the cassette recording was Iwamura, he might have seen a helicopter and tried to get their attention by making the SOS sign. Well, five years early, yeah. but he did. Strangely, we couldn't find any further information regarding any helicopter, whether he was dropped off by one, whether he saw one. This is a conversation I have seen online regarding this case that a lot of people have been frustrated. Like he's saying in the recording something about a helicopter and then everyone discussing this case, like ourselves, kind of let it go and never come back to it. And Jillian did her darnest to like figure out what that angle was. And we just, we can't find anything yeah. documented anyway. So it's unknown what the speaker may have been referring to. And whether, again, whether it was being dropped off at some point as a hiker or that somebody was flying by, yeah. they met a helicopter. Now, when looking at the sign, looking at the wood that made up of it, the limbs, the branches, uh, maybe some logs, whatever, it was estimated that it would take about two days to create this sign. A lot of work, yeah. a lot of effort, two days. The birch trees themselves would have had to been chopped down. These are probably not naturally felled trees that were used. But again, this is the conclusion of people investigating, not my own. They concluded that they must have been chopped down. Birch is a very hard wood and most likely would have taken a considerable amount of effort not only to cut down, but then to haul into place and make sure it was all good to go. If the voice on the recording belonged to Iwamura, it sounded like he was hurt. And if that's the case, it would have been very difficult for someone like that to make this sign. The bones also showed that whoever owned the bones, the person, was likely weak or ill. So if they were Iwamura's, it would stand to say that he could not have done this SOS sign alone. It's not impossible that, you know, maybe adrenaline kicks in, desperation kicks in. This is a survival situation after all. Maybe he pushed through it, but it's hard to say. But... If he was out there for a while, who's to say that the injuries and the tape didn't come after the sign was built? That's a great point. Now, some people have argued that if Iwamura had the ability to chop down the tree, 
all the trees enough to build this sign, arrange them, take the full two days to do all of that. And maybe, yeah, maybe that's how he got injured. But he would have then also had the energy and time to go down the mountain to the base. Others have suggested that he could have been following the Chubetsugawa River all the way down the mountain, which with it winding to and fro might have been difficult, maybe not the most efficient way. And though we don't know his mental state at the time, he likely had no idea where he was going and was just supremely lost. I was just about to say, how do you, you can't assume the person um, knows where they're going, right? Mm-hmm. It could have been an inexperienced hiker and then all of a sudden just like, well, even then experienced hikers get lost. Oh yeah. How would you know, follow this? Yeah, that's true. I mean, unless it's you knew. hindsight, right? It's like, well, right. if you're in this location, just follow this. It's like, well, how do you know they get lost in that location? Like, Yep. Know. Man, this is why I got to stick to these trails. So notably, with the idea that, again, going with the conclusions of people investigating that these must have been cut down, these weren't discovered limbs, these weren't discovered trees, there was no axe found in the area. It's not uncommon, of course, like in in scenes left alone for five years, things are going to move apart, right? Animals might find bodies, gnaw on the bones, distribute them around. Tools might go missing. If a second person got lost and also found your sign, maybe they took the axe. But either way, there was no axe found, though it is possible that it moved. It just was elsewhere. Yeah. We don't know. Discussions from Japan have pointed out that the SOS sign resembles one from the manga for Astro Boy. As we know... Oh, Astro Boy. Yeah. We know that Iwamura had some anime themes on his cassettes. Yeah, it was stands just a lot for anime. Or I guess, yeah. And so it stands to reason that maybe uh, maybe he was also a manga reader. Maybe this is how he got the idea. Maybe we're connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. But this was a conversation at the time. The characters were trapped at one point. They got the idea to cut down trees and make a sign. I would just say 9,000. That way it could be like, whoa, Dragon Ball. You would, so you would just chop down trees and put out the the number 9,000. 9, yeah, so it's like, well, they one is they still find me, but two, they also know my power level. <laughs> well, hey, that's important. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, well, this guy is lost, but he's also powerful. Well, hold on, though. It's over 9,000. So you're going to put a greater than symbol on there? Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least a couple extra trees. <laughs> yeah. Here's a pop quiz. Which direction is greater than and which direction is less than? Totally off the rails. Greater than is left, less than is right. But what do you mean left? Like Like the mouth. The mouth is open to the left. It's greater than and less than. Yeah. Math was my stronger suit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the alligator wants to go for the bigger one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You did that way. Yeah. Alligator goes for the bigger one. I've heard that. I just do it open towards the bigger one. Yeah. I see so many people get that wrong anyway. Yeah. I was like eating it towards a bigger one. Right. So if you're lost and you want to let people know your power level, don't get that symbol the wrong way. <laughs> no, because if it's less than, 9, than they might skip you. <laughs> yeah, they go, hey, hey, we know why he got lost. <laughs> so dumb. It's very dumb. Okay. Now coming back to this question, it's possible that someone else built this sign before or after Iwamura's disappearance. If that's the case, Jeez. this becomes the gnarliest sign for safety right. ever heard because so many people it's like it's like a cursed sign that if you find it you'll stay lost and if you don't find it you'll be found wild i can't yeah i didn't even think about that it could have just been over the span of five years multiple people getting lost and coming across this sos sign or who knows maybe just built by multiple people maybe, maybe someone got the s in and yeah. someone came in and said i'm gonna write my name yeah psalm <laughs> and then and then they and only got the went, O and said, I guess they're long. doing SOS. They didn't get picked up, so I guess that is really important. <laughs> so 
remember that this is one of the tallest mountains in Hokkaido. And the reason why I mention that is because like, it is a destination for mountaineers, hikers of all caliber. And from that, and according to the data from Hokkaido Wilds, search and rescue teams have been sent to the Asahi Dake and Daisetsuzan National Park area roughly 200 times just since 2015. So in the last nine years, search and rescue has gone to the area 200 times. You can imagine this is kind of now a hot spot so for people, people just going getting, missing. So, I mean... Or getting lost. People are getting lost in, right? Like they're dispatching search and rescue because people are lost. Yeah. And so it, it does stand to reason it's that... It's the rocks, man. But to demolish one of them, like Trevor said, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. God. I mean, easier said than done. And who knows? Can't assume someone's motive or or whatnot. But man, just, just stick on the trail. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just wild. So like, regardless of whether he made it or not, it's definitely possible that other people stumbled across it, were in the area, yeah. didn't know about it, whatever. It's Within five years, 200 missions got sent. Well, remember... Or Man, like eight that, years or so. You just played your time hand. 20, uh, 2015 does feel like five years ago. It's nine uh, years ago. Nine? It's I was nine thinking eight. Years ago. Nine years ago. Yeah. Ugh. But you're not wrong. In that five-year stretch, mathematically speaking, about 100 search and rescue, again, by modern standards, who knows yeah. if it's the same rate of going missing or not, but by modern standards, through that stretch of five years in the 80s, it's possible that upwards of 100 different groups went missing, needed search and rescue, something like that. Yeah, and they keep stumbling across the same sign. Yeah. So I mean, statistically that's not far fetched at all. Someone who made the sign could be completely anonymous and we just don't know. Someone who unfortunately came but never, never, never oh, found. Man. It's possible. What a Oh jeez. So now let's get to your what was it? Burnt chocolate? Uh oh, burnt cheese. Burnt cheese. It was yes, no, burnt cheese. All right. So yes, he the bones belonged to Iwamura. No, he didn't build the sign. And uh, this isn't even a question, so your answer <laughs> makes sense. There's the other angle now, the other theory that Iwamura met another person on the mountain. Burnt cheese. <laughs> Burnt cheese. So it's also possible that he met somebody and got lost alongside that person. Tests from the bones showed that Iwamura was weak. His parents could not confirm the voice on the cassette tape was, in fact, him. It could have been somebody else. It could have been him just with maybe more fear on his voice. It, it's really hard to say. Maybe more hoarse because he'd been yelling. Regardless, yeah. you can spin that a thousand ways. But maybe Iwamura met up with a person and that person was the one who built the SOS sign alongside him. They may have then also used Iwamura's Walkman to record themselves. Also considering the discrepancy in the bones, once again, it's possible that there was yet a third mysterious person and that maybe we're dealing with a group here. Dude, imagine just like, being lost, running into someone else that's lost, and then building a SOS sign together, and then even more over the top, someone else goes, hey, what are you guys doing here? I'm lost too. Not and you're like, hey, could you start working on that S over there? Like, all right. Also, at one point, as the group becomes so big that it's detrimental. Well, they start turning in on each other and yeah. yellow jacketing. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting, and I mean, and that's kind of the end of the SOS sign incident. It's fascinating no, case fascinating. from the outset. It's so simple yet so elegant. Yeah. Now, what's interesting with these theories is that there is a common thread where you know, we don't know who made it necessarily. We know who was, whose stuff was near it in the end, but I can imagine this being a group all in the same time frame. I can also imagine this being multiple individuals or multiple groups stumbling over this area yeah, over time and yeah. maybe camping out in the same spot because there's a hole under a tree and there's an SOS sign where else should you go? 
And, and maybe that's why the axe is missing, if there ever was one. I don't, it's just, the mind wanders with answers, with possibilities. And these are my, in a morbid way, right? But this is just one of my favorite types of mysteries. You can see it going so many different directions, so many different possible answers on the table. None of them are necessarily nefarious. They're just kind of no, not at all. possible answers. Again, it's a refreshing moment to step away from like true crime and who done it to man, this is unfortunate no how it no matter how it's cut, but it could be cut so many different ways. It really could. It really could be. And there could be so many more people involved than you think there would be. And then they could have been cross paths or paths that didn't cross at all. Right. This is such a simple yet sophisticated case and it took an immediate turn. It was pitched to me as two hikers that got lost. Their SOS and SOS sign is what helped them like get found. But it come to realize they didn't build that sign. I go, that's wild. Let's dig into those people. Never heard of those people after right. that beginning. <laughs> like, no, like, we're safe, we're good. Bye. Anyway, anyways, those guys are fine. Let me tell you about the other guy. Yeah. Like, oh man. Man. And it also just makes me think of all the cases that are just out of reach, right? We have this whole case, we have this whole mystery because police went to further investigate and then they found items, they found bones. If they had never found any of that, this would have just been a really short, but I mean, it still would have been a mystery. Who made that sign? I don't know. Someone probably would have claimed That's it. true. I made that when I was 12. But like, I don't know. It just makes me think what kind of just basic bog standard, but wild mysteries are around any corner true. that we just don't know about. We just don't know. Or this could have been just one uh, park ranger's step on the SOS site from discovering a second tape with all the answers. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. They could have stopped a couple steps short from a bush to their left that had another bag with answers in it and just, just never found. Yeah. Like, <sighs> whew. Well, this has been the SOS sign incident, the mystery that will forever intrigue us. And I got to say, Japan, the mysteries that surround Japan. Oh, they're good. Are wild. They're very wild. Wild. That's the same one that had the, um, the candy factory one. The soda machine. And also the monster with a thousand faces. Yes, that candy. One. Yeah, the candy. Oh, it's good ones. Yeah. All right. Well, Fredo, I will see you right back here next Monday for yet another mystery. We changed the elevator code, so be mindful on the way up. It's eighty floors up to the surface. I know it takes yeah. forever. A lot of this remodeling stuff. You get contractors in, contractors out. Yeah. We should add more floors, though. We got to add more floors. Yeah.